Good morning, church. How are we this morning? Good, 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 good. It's a great time to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, so if you're wondering, you're probably thinking, there's no way this guy's speaking because look at that beautiful amount of hair he has coming out of the back of his hat. Um, I'm here to break down stigmas, people. Uh, you can speak on this stage and have a beautiful head of hair. Um, I'm kind of, you know, hiding it a little bit to not cause somebody else to stumble. Uh, I love you, Chad. Um, so, so my name is Ryan Haddix, and uh, I have the opportunity uh, to serve on staff here at River Ridge Church with our Ridge students. And uh, I absolutely love what I get to do. You see, what I get to do is I get to watch students, uh, young people go from death to life. I get to watch young people go from darkness to light. You see, because we have a bunch of students, uh, whether you knew this or not, we have tons of students in this church. Uh, some of them are in here, some of them are over in the middle school service. And what I get to do is I get to walk them on a journey of discovering faith on their own. Uh, their own faith, their, their own personal faith that they can experience. I love to do this. And so if you're wondering, uh, if you think maybe you're here and you think like this next generation coming up, they're kind of hopeless. I would encourage you to come and check out what we're experiencing, what God is doing over with these students and in their lives. Because uh, if you think this is a hopeless generation coming up, um, man, God has a lot more in store for you uh, that you could see rather than what you're experiencing now. And to give a little shout out, I'm supposed to do a shameless plug. Uh, students, if you're in here, we have a squad night momentum coming up on September 11th. So uh, if you want more information, come and chat with me about that. Um, so we are finishing up our series. We've been in this series no more. If you haven't been here for the past four weeks, I'm gonna kind of explain to you, give you a, a breakdown of what we've been talking about. We have been in this series titled No More. And basically what we're doing is we're learning how to say no more to things in our life that cause separation between us and God. We've talked about, uh, that we've given them D words so they're easy to remember. It's, it's distractions, disinterest, dis, uh, disdain, and despair. We've talked about all of these things and how, how we, these things cause us to grow far away from God. And if we're not careful, if these things in our life go unchecked, and if we don't say no more to these things, it has the opportunity to enable us to not really hear the voice of God the way that we're supposed to hear it. It, it causes separation between us and God. And so I have the opportunity this morning of, of finishing up as we wrap up this, this series, No More. And so there's a word that I've known this word. Um, I've heard this word before and I didn't, if you're being honest, we'll throw it up here. Uh, the word that we're gonna talk about this morning is deceit. And if you would have asked me this word, if you'd have caught me on the street and you'd have said, hey, how, do you, how would you define deceit? Uh, I would have responded to you, you deceive somebody. <laughs> yeah, right? If some of you are like me though and you need maybe like a better working definition, I got you because the definition of deceit is the action or practice of deceiving someone by concealing or misrepresenting the truth. More simply put, if you're like me and you need it broken down as much as possible, it's basically believing something about someone or yourself that's a lie. It's believing something about someone or you personally, a lot of times this is what we experience is we believe lies about ourselves. It's believing something about someone or yourself that isn't true. I think that it's important for us to understand if we're gonna talk about a word and we're gonna talk about a definition, I think that it's important to understand how God feels about these words. I think that it's important to know what God thinks about 
the word deceit and the definition of, of misrepresenting the truth. And so we have Psalm 5, 6. God tells, it's, it's written, it says, you destroy those who tell lies. The bloodthirsty and deceitful you, Lord, detest. So we've been in this series of no more, and I just want you to know, church, I wanna take an, uh, a second to tell you that if you haven't been here these four weeks and you just need a little bit of encouragement, listen, church, you have the power within you to say no more to the devil. You have the power within you to say no more to lies. You have the power within you. It runs in you. God has put it in you. It's his spirit. He's put it in you to say no more. Church, we have this power. We have this authority. God's given it to us. This has encouraged me. This, this, this series has really, really encouraged me. One of the reasons that I love my job, I said I love my job. One of the reasons that I love my job uh, is because not only do I get to see students go from death to life, but I get to kind of help them figure out and learn who God has created them to be. Right, in, in, a, in a world full of lies, in a world full of status, in a world full of sides and parties and labels, in a world full of all of these things that, whether you know it or not, students are actively caught up in, in a world full of all of these things, I get to help them navigate who God has created them to be, the fact that they're image bearers of God. But I wonder because typically I'm talking to a group of students who, while the world has touched a little bit, the world hasn't fully gotten to them. But I'm in here with a group of adults. I'm in here with a group of adults who have worked for their status. I'm in here with a group of adults who look at their bank account and say, I know that this is what I've done. I have a group of adults here who have worked for their degrees and their certificates and the names and the, the numbers that, and the letters that go before and after your name. I've been here talking to a group of adults that have earned their stuff. But I'm afraid if we're not careful that we can get caught up in this as well. And I say we because I'm no less susceptible to this because I'm able to be on stage or have a mic or, or work at a church. If we're not careful, we can all get caught up in this. And maybe you're thinking in this moment, you're looking at me and you're like, how did he know that I'm actually already caught up in this? God knows. Maybe you're already caught up in this where you, you think that the, the, your value is your bank account. Your value is your job. Your value is your respect within the community. Maybe you've been doing these things so long that it's, you start to use phrases like, that's just who I am. Maybe it's not, maybe it's not your, your status or anything like that. Maybe it's, maybe it's your depression. Maybe your depression has just been wrecking you so long that you're saying, you know, it's just who I am. Maybe it's your anxiety and you've just been dealing with this for so long and you feel like nobody understands and the only thing that you can think is it's just who I am. Friend, I want you to know this morning that that is not who you are. We're gonna learn this in scripture this morning. We're gonna look a little bit, but I think, I wonder if God wants to challenge us this morning. That what if none of those things are actually who you are? 
Obviously they're true, right? They're true. The, our, our, our status is true. Our depression is real. Our anxiety is a thing. Um, our, our, our sadness is true. Our loneliness is true. All of these things are true, right? It's not like we're faking these things. Maybe we are, maybe we aren't, but the regardless, regardless, they're true. They are true things. But I think letting the true things about our life overshadow the truest thing about our life is a dangerous place to be, church. And I'll just let you in on my personal life. My fear for myself. My fear for myself is that I would let mere truths, half-truths, or sometimes true, sometimes not things become what I make the truest thing about me. I don't know if you can relate, but this is my fear. I think the scripture has a lot to say. And so if you have your Bibles, we're gonna be in Mark 2, and you can go ahead and flip there. If you've got your phones, you can go to that. It's gonna be up on the screens. Uh, we have multiple ways to receive God's word. Uh, but I kind of want to set the stage before we get into Mark 2, because I think that there's, there's I want to give you guys the destination before we take the journey, all right? And because I feel like if I give you the destination, you're gonna be able to pay attention to the road signs along the way. So the, our destination, our bottom line this morning is to understand our identity when we're faced with the lies of labels. This is our destination. So along the way, we're gonna go on a journey and maybe God's gonna reveal something to you within his scripture that he didn't reveal to me. That's the beauty of scripture. But this is our, this is our goal, is to understand our identity when we're faced with the lies of labels. Gives a little bit of context as we go into Mark 2. Jesus has just kind of come on the scene, right? We're fresh into Mark 2, and he's been going around and he's been healing people. He's been driving out demons. He's been touching people with leprosy, which if you didn't know, is a no-no. And he's been doing all of these things and no one really knows who he is yet. If you look back through scripture, you can see that he's, he's not yet told anybody that he's the son of God. And so people are like, either this guy's crazy or he's somebody special, and either way, we need to follow him. We need to see what he's saying. We need to listen to what he's saying. And so we, we come onto the scene in Mark 2, and Jesus has just come back to Capernaum, and, and it's believed that it was uh, Peter and Andrew's house that he went to in Capernaum. And he, he's hanging out there, and so let's pick up in Mark 2, verse 1 through 12, and we're gonna see what Scripture says. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered there that there was no room, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get, Jesus, get, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat and paralyzed man, and the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. 
This amazed everyone and they praised God saying we have never seen anything like this before. So we got a lot going on. Yeah, guys carrying a guy on a mat, ripping up a ceiling, put a guy into. Got these guys in the corner just judging everything. Got Jesus just being Jesus. I think there's a lot that we can learn from this scripture. And so what, I, I kind of feel like here there's, there's four character groups here. There's the friends, there's the paralytic man, there's the religious teachers, and there's Jesus. And so we're gonna see what God has kind of just given to me this morning as far as what we can learn from all of these people. All right, so the first thing that we're gonna look at is the friends. And if you're taking notes, this is a great time to pull out that pen and start taking some notes on here. The, the first thing that we're gonna look at is friends, and this is what we can pull from the scripture. And the first thing is that the faith of those around you matters. Church, the faith of those around you matters, and I know this to be true in my life. Some of us need friends that are ushering us into the presence of Jesus. We need circles. This is part of what River Ridge done is, is you can't do life alone. This paralytic man, he wasn't doing life alone. I don't know about you, but sometimes I need some crazy friends that are willing to do some crazy things to usher me in to a good God. We all need this in our lives. The faith of those around you matters. I think when I read this scripture, a lot of times I like to put myself in the place of the mat carrier because I'm in ministry. I'm supposed to be a moral compass for people. I'm supposed to be pushing kids to, to Jesus, to, to the truth, to life. But here's the revelation that God kind of gave me. Even a barber has a barber. <laughs> even a doctor has a doctor. Even a dentist has a, a dentist and even a pastor needs a pastor. And sick people need other sick people so they can be well. If you're, if you're sick, you have to have people around you that maybe are a little bit better than you and can say, listen, I, I care too much about you to see you lay here sick. I care too much about you to see you hurt. Let me usher you into Jesus. I care too much for you. The faith of those around you matters. The fact is that transformation rarely happens in isolation. Rarely. I know there's people that can go into their prayer closets and they can, they can receive a word from God and they can walk out in that truth. And that's, that's, that's amazing. I'm not that person. I need people around me. I need a community. I need a group of people that when I fall down, they say, listen, man, just dust yourself off. Get up. Get up. Jesus loves you too much. Jesus put too much in you. Jesus cares too much for you to just sit. Second thing that we can pull out of the scripture is the paralytic man, and it's this. It's that a label may describe you, but your identity in Christ defines you. We don't know a lot about this guy, right? I think this even shows the humanness of the disciples because Mark doesn't even care to get this guy's name. He's just the paralytic man. Did he have a name? I'm sure he did. But instead of knowing his name, they knew him by the label that the world had given him. They knew him as the paralytic man. I think one of the beautiful things is about, about scripture is that we can, we can um, kind of dwell on it a little bit and, and we can kind of maybe assume some things about like who this guy was. Maybe he was a great person, a hardworking man that provided for his family until something happened and he was paralyzed. 
Maybe he was a great athlete. Maybe he was a person in the community that that everyone had respect for. He was well-respected in his town. But we just come in to the fact that he's on a map. He's paralyzed. And he literally needs people to come alongside and to carry him. What we do know is that at some point this man was labeled. This man was labeled not by his name. This, not, this man was not labeled by the career that he used to have. This, this man was labeled by his exterior. He was labeled by the things that went on in his life and, and they took the tr- a true thing about him. They took something that described him and they made it define him. They, de- they were defining him. They were trying to define him by what described him. And church, this is what I want you to hear this morning is that Jesus cares more Jesus cares so much more about the source than the symptoms. We can see this in scripture because Jesus looks at this paralytic man, he looks at him and and what, what does he see? He sees his heart. And he wanted to go further than what everybody else could see. And this is church, it doesn't mean that he doesn't care about the symptoms. It means that before the symptoms are even noticed to Jesus, he cares about your heart. He cares about your soul. He cares about your your eternal destination. That's why Jesus spoke to him and he said, your sins are forgiven. See church, our symptoms may not always go away. Our symptoms may not always go away, but there is a good God that has promised that if we receive him as Lord of our life, that when we leave this earthly body, we will go into heaven where those things will be no more Praise the Lord. Your identity in Christ defines you. Third thing that we can learn, and this is a group, we're gonna group this in with the teachers and Jesus. These two people could not be farther apart, but we're gonna group them in because I think there's something that we can learn from it is what the devil meant for evil, God will use for good. What the devil meant for evil, God will use for good. This is why I say this, is because I think that sometimes, and I may step on some toes by saying this, but it's okay, I would love to talk with you after. I think that Jesus, I think that the enemy uses religiosity sometimes as a weapon. I think that, Jesus, that, that, that the enemy uses these things sometimes as a weapon against followers of Jesus. These teachers of the law, they're saying, who is this guy? Who does he think? And I wanna give you a little bit of context because again, context is everything, is that these teachers of the law were still under the Jewish law, which meant that they thought that there was sin in generations, which means if, you, if someone passed in your generation had sinned, then you were suffering for their sins. So Jesus speaking directly into this man and saying, your sins are forgiven. These religious leaders were instantly caught off guard. They're like, who, who does this guy think he is? Like he's still paralyzed. Obviously his sins aren't forgiven because he's still stuck like that. So Jesus just does a mic drop moment. Finally reveals who he is, what he can do and why he can do it. And he takes the evil callousness of these teachers and shows them that he's here to rewrite the whole story. He's here to look past these labels. So how do we live out of our truest identity? How do we live out, we, we can read all these things in scripture and we can learn a lot of stuff. 
How do we live out our true identity? How do we say no more to the lies of labels and walk forward in our lives with Jesus? It's a great question. And I don't know if I can fully answer it, but I know that God's given me three things that I know help me. And so I hope that they can help you. First one is wake up. Now, some of you just woke up when I said that. Good morning. Uh, We've been talking for about 20 minutes. Uh, I'm glad you're with us this morning. Wake up, we have to wake up. This is, this is what I love. I love. I love that whenever God gives me like some kind of little small thing like that, it, it, it also is followed by scripture. Because I think that nothing that we, that we do in this life, if it's not backed up by scripture, then it's kind of pointless, right? And so Psalm 118, 24 says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. When we live out of knowing that this is the day that the Lord has made, I'm telling you, when we wake up and say, God, this is for you. I'm not here to increase my status. I'm not here to get that that raise. I'm not here, God. I'm not waking up this morning so that I can glorify everything that I wanna do. God, I'm not waking up this morning so that I can chase things that don't matter. God, I'm waking up this morning because this is your day and I'm choosing to chase after you. This is pivotal. This is pivotal to live our lives out of the truest identity that the Lord has made your day and everything that comes in it, everything that you wake up with, God's given you. Take an attitude of gratefulness and of adoration that God has woken you up to live out another day for him. The second thing that we can do is we can speak up. This may be hard for a lot of people depending on what you're dealing with in your life. This could be really hard because scripture, scripture says in Ephesians 4, 25, it says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body. Now, sometimes, uh, and, and I just know this because I, 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 I'm human just like you, maybe it's hard to speak this truth to yourself. We can be human and we can admit this. I think, I think that it's, it's, it's okay to understand that sometimes we look in the mirror and we can't really speak truth to ourselves. It's hard sometimes. Life's, life's hard. But this is what I mean by speak up is that we have to be speaking the truth of God over our lives. And if that means that you have to start speaking it to other people, and this is very simple. This is what we do in student ministry. I, you have no, no idea how many times I hear a student say, I'm stupid, I suck. No, you don't. This is truth that's that easy to speak over. If you hear somebody in your office, I don't care whether you're in secular world or whatever, if you hear somebody say, "Ah, I'm just horrible, I'm just an idiot. No, you're not. You're a child of God. You're an image bearer of God. Who do you think you are? You're a child of the most high. This is what I mean by speak up is that we have to be speaking truth to other people. And watch this, this is what happens. And if if you've been serving in any capacity, uh, if you've been serving God, whether it's Ridge Kids, Ridge Students, just like uh, making coffee, whatever it is, you can understand this. When you start serving, you find out that you end up getting more than you're actually giving. It's the same thing. When you start speaking truth over other people's lives, watch it. it, it, it happens, I promise you it happens. God starts speaking this truth gently over your life, the way he's been 
speaking it over your life all along. But the more you speak truth to other people, it softens your heart. And if you can see it in other people, you can one day look in the mirror and you can see it in yourself. You can see that it's been this way the whole time. God has to restore our vision. We have to speak up. If you hear people speaking lies about their lives, correct it. Correct it. Guide them to the truth. Last thing that I think we can do is we can show up. We can show up. This, this, is, this is pretty simple, but I think that a lot of times we get it confused. Uh, Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You may be thinking, Ryan, what does Ephesians 41, or what does Isaiah 41.10 have to do with show up? Life's hard. I just said it. Life's really hard. And I'm telling you sometimes, and, and this is just me, I don't know about you, I sometimes have come to church on Sunday mornings crawling, broken, not sure what God's doing in my life, not sure where my next blessing is gonna come from, not sure where I've even come from. This is what God wants of us in our lives. And I'm not saying that I'm anybody special, that I, I just keep showing up because I know God's done good in my life and he's gonna continue to do good as long as I keep showing up. And this is real simple. If you wanna be present for what God's doing, you have to be present for what God's doing. It doesn't matter. Church, it doesn't, it doesn't matter the excuse. I, we see this with students all the time. They say, oh, I have practice. Every time we ask them, what time's your practice? Oh, 4.30 to 5.30. Our service starts at six. My man, you're good. There's no excuse. There can't be. There, there may be excuses. I understand that. Again, life is hard. Things happen. There are excuses but they're only excuses if you let them be excuses. It's only a no to church if you let there actually be a no at church. I don't care if you have to come crawling in here. This is why you need friends. I don't care if you sit in your car crying for hours before service because you just don't know what God's doing and you don't know if you can feel God anymore. Show up. I've seen so many students quit. I've seen so many adults quit right before the miracle. Show up. God values your time. He wants you to spend time with him. Show up for those prayer meetings. So what's the label in your life that you're carrying around? This is a real question, church. I, I, and, and I say this, maybe you think that this is like a, you know, just like a to pontificate up on stage. This is a real question. What labels are you carrying that you need to lay down? There's multiple labels that the world has placed on you or maybe you've put on yourself that God's stirring in you right this very moment to lay down. Church, what would, your look, what would your life look like? Not just personally, but to other people. What would your life look like if you chose to look past the labels, 
If you chose to look deeper into yourself, in, in, deeper the way that Jesus looked at this paralytic man, what would it look like if in your life you chose to look through labels and see people for who God made them to be? What would our community look like? <laughs> we didn't walk past those people in the grocery store and say, hmm. if we chose to see them through the eyes of Jesus. God wants us to draw near to him. And God wants us to ask these questions and he wants us to make these statements. God, give me your hands, give me your feet, give me your eyes, give me your vision, give me your heart. Broken, lost, hurt people that just need to know who they truly are in you. Maybe you need that spoken over your own life. And if that's the case, Please, please go talk to Blair, talk to Brandon, talk to me, talk to any, go to the guest services, get in a group, get around community. Get around people that speak truth into your life. You pray with me? God, we're humbled this morning. God, by your truth, by your love. God, we know who you've created us to be. God, even if it's just maybe head knowledge right now, Lord, we know who you've created us to be. God, I pray that you would let it marinate in our heads. God, that you would, you would somehow, God, make it fall down to our heart. God, that we can understand and know, God, that we are image bearers. We are the very imago day of this world. God, we are your children. God, I pray that you help us to wake up, speak up, and show up for what you're doing in our lives. God, that we can put aside this deceit, these lies of labels. God, and, and we, can, we can chase after you, God, and we can throw off those things that the enemy uses to try to entangle us, God, and we can run our race. God, we thank you for your truth. Pray that you bless this congregation as they leave these doors, God, that, that you would give them your vision to see broken, hurting people as children of God, that they would see themselves when they look at themselves in the mirror, that they are a child of God no matter what they're dealing with on the inside. God, heal the source. It's your sons and we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Church, thank you all so much for joining us this morning. Uh, you're dismissed at this time. Uh, make sure to come back next week. Uh, we are starting our new series, Set Free. Uh, so you're not gonna really wanna miss it. It's all about freedom in Christ. And uh, so you're, you're gonna wanna be here for that. So I love y'all and we'll see you next week. <laughs>